0: Hey guys, welcome back to Pop Culture Confidential. I'm Christina Yerling Biro. There is a lot to talk about this week, and I can't think of anyone better to talk about it all with than Eric Anderson of Awards Watch. Welcome back, Eric. Hi, thanks for having me back. Now, as we all know, news is coming at us fast and furious these days, and entertainment news is no exception, from how the coronavirus is affecting and will affect the industry going forward, the post-Weinstein verdict, and the walkouts and protests at the Cesar Awards after Polanski won Best Director. But first, and maybe most importantly, why don't we take a minute to talk about us, right, Eric?
1: (laughs) Are we more important than the coronavirus? I don't know, but
0: I don't know. Uh, okay. Let's just say that in, in these troubled times, um, maybe we can, for just a minute, um, do that. Because I'm very excited that I'm going to be a small part of Awards Watch, the one of yes. the most comprehensive and best film coverage places I know. So thank you so much. We're going to be collaborating a bit.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty excited for this because we've we've had some fun together with, with podcasts and our conversations. And, you know, I just, I always want and need as many voices as possible If i'm only listening to the voice that's in my head my goodness i'm in trouble
0: no that's not good the voices in our heads no but what we're <laughs> do? we're going to be sharing some interviews or i'm going to be sharing them with you and then we'll do some of these pods together when we can you know keep people up to date about what's happening and talk about movies and awards and things like that so I, i'm really excited about that
1: i am too I'm excited for your perspective, also, too, just geographically,
0: mm-hmm.
1: because it's very different than mine. And especially as you know, we are going to be talking about so many issues that have international impact. Uh, your your perspective of it is going to be extremely different than mine.
0: Well, thank you. I hope I can deliver. (laughs) But uh, moving on. Okay, so let's get into the important stuff, the real important stuff. And that's that last Monday, um, a New York jury found Harvey Weinstein guilty of criminal sexual assault in the first degree and rape in the third degree. And now, of course, we're awaiting sentencing. And it seems like a watershed moment for the Me Too movement. Quickly, your thoughts
1: well, uh I, I know for a lot of people it felt a little bit mixed because of the third degree uh versus the first degree and that it 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 was a little mixed. It felt like yes, these these women were acknowledged, but in some ways they weren't. The seriousness of it was not because the third degree does not really have uh a, a very long prison sentence. I think it's up to five years but the the first degree sexual assault is a much bigger possible sentence
0: up to twenty five years right
1: yeah up to twenty five years so I think this is where the the real justice is actually going to have to happen in the sentencing, but you're absolutely right though that that this is still a watershed moment in this type of of case because it's We've just seen too many that are able to to go scot free, and especially somebody of the stature that Weinstein had. so yeah, this is this is a big deal.
0: It's a really big deal, yeah, and it kind of says something about how we feel about this because right up until um the verdict came or the jury the jury came back, um I know even though there were. 80 women who have come out and talked. And in this particular case, there were six women who told their story, two of them that had the actual, um, that that were actually the accusers and four that were so-called the prior bad act witnesses who told their stories to Mm -hmm. show the pattern. I mean, even though all this happened, I know so many women around me who were like, no, no, he's not going to, it's not going to be anything. There's not going to be anything that people were really. So it was interesting in that sense that I think there was still a sigh of relief that these women were believed, even though it wasn't for the maximum life sentence that we think. Honestly, I do think that if he gets 25 years, I don't, you know, that's probably a life sentence for Harvey Weinstein.
1: Oh, I think absolutely it is. And and yeah, it was it was a, a sigh of relief, I think, because I think almost anybody, and especially in the last three years of politics, The expectation of something happening was probably pretty low. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, the expectation of bad news was, was there.
0: And also the fact that now he goes on, it's the same thing will be happening in Los Angeles because Los Angeles County is also opening this type of of case against him. And I think maybe this sort of shows that the jury can, um, in a certain sense, you know, discuss these in in a manner that will actually lead to some sort of verdict. Um, So hopefully, I mean, it's not over for him. He'll just keep going on with these type of trials as it seems now.
1: I, I think you're absolutely right and as Is he with, still
0: in the hospital?
1: In Or has um, he gone
0: to Rikers Island? We do, do we know that or
1: He went to Rikers and then to the hospital. I'm not I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think I'm only going to keep too much tabs on Weinstein either when he's sentenced or when he's dead. But
0: Right. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> but I I, th- I think you I think you bring up a good point about Los Angeles because So much of the time with any type of movement, it really takes one group or one person to make that first big move for everybody around to go, okay, this is okay to do now because nobody wants to be the first. Right. Everybody waits for someone else to be the first. And then when it happens, then it's okay.
0: And in this case, it was, you know, his his lawyer, particularly his lead lawyer, this um, Donna Rotuna was her name, What who, her, who kept her sort of, uh, the defense was to say that these women um, had relationships with him afterwards. There were emails, there were contacts, there were, you know, job inquiries and things like that. And I think that's what was the big question, whether the jury would actually you know accept the fact that women's trauma looks different after something has happened maybe mm-hmm. you do continue having contact and i think this in all sorts of sexual assault cases is the difficult question
1: absolutely and whether it's uh, a sexual assault or physical assault the 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 feeling that that women have or you know at the 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 person being assaulted has is one of guilt one of how shame. do you like get out of this out of shame there are there are so many variables and there are so many ways that this happens and and there's honestly really nothing worse than when i see somebody make a comment like well why didn't you just leave and why did you you know talk to this person again because they're coming clearly from a position of not ever having experienced that so in, rather than trying to listen and understand what that experience would be like, they push back against it and turn it around on that person, which, you know, itself is a whole kind of gaslighting. And and it just makes it more and more difficult for people to come forward because they're not believed. They're not believed for how they react and act to being abused or assaulted so where where is the impetus for for somebody to make a huge grand statement on a personal level or on a huge scale
0: right on the, the world arena if they're not that.
1: going to, yeah on the world arena if they're not going to be believed
0: Right. And also this whole thing of put you put yourself in that position, that type of discussion that women hear all the time, you know, skirts are too short or you drank, drank too much or you went up to with him to his hotel room. That discussion is so frustrating and has had has been such a continuing discussion in the Weinstein case, in the sort of Cosby case and all those type of things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we 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 saw we saw with uh, with. The Brett Kavanaugh.
0: Exactly.
1: That was was a nightmare. That was that was probably one of the worst examples of a woman not being believed. It was it was horrible.
0: Yeah, it was it was, Um, and then there was echoes because just a couple days ago, um, over here in Europe, in France, it was the French Cesar Awards. Um, Tell us a little what happened there.
1: Uh, well, <laughs> that was, that was a lot. Um, so Roman Polanski was nominated for, I think 11, his film was nominated for 11 Cesar awards. They really, really love him. And you, you had him going up against uh portrait of a lady on fire. The lead actress is Sarah Del Henault and, Uh, Naomi Merlant and the director, Céline Sciamma. And it was sort of, I guess, in a weird way, almost a no-win situation because it was positioned in an either-or and in this push-pull like, okay, whatever happens here is a vote of confidence for women, especially Merlant right there, who had just accused a director of sexually assaulting her when she was a child and a movie that she worked on or you are siding with polanski once again uh, as we know polanski won adapted screenplay and then director and that win created a firestorm and the women of portrait walked out and it was a very graphic grand gesture
0: right in the middle of the ceremony
1: right in the middle of the ceremony before the the last award was announced and you know walking through the lobby and verlant was fantastically just verbal and graphic and bravo to pedophile was her was her rant and it coming right after the the Weinstein uh, decision right. it it was one of those, you know, two steps forward, one step back examples. Um, granted, we're talking about a very a different group, a different, whole different thing. This is, you know, a, a jury <laughs> with real consequences versus an awards body with not the same kind. Um, but it did highlight some, some pretty huge differences in how Different areas regard art and artists, and and how and if we celebrate them.
0: Right, just I mean, just to if there's anyone listening to this, who I'm sure not, it has does not know um, Polanski in the late seventies. This is not. there's no question about what he did he, he's, he he said that he did this he gave a 13 year old quelude so he drugged her and he raped her he signed a plea deal um, he was convicted um, when this plea deal, and then he fled the US before he had all his sentencing complete and then, then there's several new accusations that have come up recently mm-hmm. from other women so basically this is the you know the story and and it's been Many years ago when he was up for an Oscar and an, wasn't it wasn't even an honorary Oscar, these discussions keep coming up and the old guard keeps saying, oh, that's so old and she that's those things. We can't bring that up anymore, which just seems ludicrous.
1: It, it does, but it's the it's the very same argument that that came up with with Weinstein of everybody knows this. This is an open secret, but everybody's OK with it because it's it's always been a part of the system. And that's, that's been the case for whether it's politics or movies or, I mean, any, anything, any, any situation where men have power over women has this in it. This is not something exclusive to uh movie making, but when you, when you are a, a beneficiary of somebody's, huge power. Uh, It's extremely difficult to speak up against it, because you are jeopardizing your own future and ability to work. And that goes, you know, whether it is women that have experienced it, women that have seen it, men that have experienced it, or men that have seen it. But Pretty traditionally, men do create this circle around each other of protection that begins at a very young age for them and goes into everything from fraternities in college to military. And there is a sense of loyalty that men have with with each other that completely is unbreakable regardless of the severity of that person's actions.
0: But do you think in terms of Polanski, he doesn't, the movie, it doesn't have distribution in the States or it doesn't have a big distribution or do you know? No it,
1: no, it does not.
0: It does not. And is that a direct consequence of of, do you think of, you know, how people feel about him or...
1: I think so. T- I think so because we have also seen it only very recently with Woody Allen, uh, where Amazon then refused to show his film, Rainy Day in New York. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, just right after signing a huge, massive deal with him. So it's, again, one of those things where if you feel like you can benefit from this person's art, then you will look past their history uh, or their present of what they do. Because it was only a few years ago that Amazon made this huge deal with Woody Allen. And then it just kind of came back and reared its head. uh, And the pressure became so huge that they had to just disown the film and not distribute it.
0: Right, and I mean that's the same with Polanski. It's not many years ago he was Oscar nominated. Um, and, well, he and won. He won, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and, and um, you know, which was long after this uh, the crime happened. Um, and now, I mean, this is this because of Weinstein and the Me Too movement, and and that things are actually happening, and people are you know starting to think again, if that's a good way to put it.
1: I think so because what what we saw. Um, at the Cesar Awards was a pretty fantastic separation of of realities where this awards body had no problem giving him best director, yet right outside the doors of that were just fantastic, huge protests and cars on fire and just tearing scaffolding down and it was dramatic. And it was just a great example of how how that separation exists. Because I, I I don't I hope people don't see something like Polanski winning a César as, oh wow, France is so backwards and fucked up. This is mm-hmm, terrible. Mm-hmm. Because you're you need to look at it for what it is, and that is the microcosm of a small group versus a much louder, more vocal reality outside right.
0: but celine schiamo was robbed either way
1: <laughs> yes either way yeah port portia was also nominated for i think it was 11 or 10 and mm-hmm. and only won one for cinematography.
0: it's just crazy
1: it is crazy it was a great deserved win but it was also just it felt so um
0: sending a message Deliberate.
1: It felt very, very deliberate. And uh, there was a, I posted a really fantastic piece by a writer named Sarah Williams called What Happened at the Cesar Awards Was a Setup for Silence. And it really highlighted that there is and can be a very deliberate action with awards bodies, whether it's the Oscars or the Cesar's or whatever it is, where you're you're sending you're sending a message because none of none of these things are always best <laughs> it's 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 entirely subjective so you can't there is no objective point where you can you can say that something is is best when you're talking about art so when you're voting on something it is subjective and you are sending a message with your vote so it's the the piece really kind of
0: yeah, I can really recommend. It's a great piece.
1: It, yeah, it, it in, intelligently but passionately really breaks down the reason Hanel did what she did and said what she said. Uh, she said they think they are defending the freedom of expression. In reality, they are defending their monopoly of speech. What they did last night, it's us whom they are sending back into silence, obligating us to silence ourselves. And it was, I mean, she... Bless her. She is extremely elo- eloquent in her her passion for survivors.
0: Mm-hmm. Switching a little bit gears in, into movies and, and pop culture itself, there's a couple movies, one that's out already, and, and a couple coming up that really um, deal with some of these issues. Um, let's talk a little bit about Invisible Man. <laughs> How do you see that this is sort of tying into what's going on?
1: Uh, I think it does very much. I mean, but apart from just being an absolutely fantastic film, it it turns the focus around. Whereas the the Invisible Man and the Hollow Man uh, movie with Kevin Bacon in the '90s was very much about the the scientist and his his own creation. This is not. This is about a woman that suffers at the hands of this abuser and it is it's such an intelligent way to reboot and tell this story it does completely fit in line with the me too movement as gaslighting and physical and sexual abuse are a component uh, of her situation and that she stayed with him in spite of it, out of fear. One of the great things I think the film does, though, one of the most important things that it does, is that we start, the movie starts right off the bat with her escape. So we are not, we don't have to sit and watch her be abused and gaslighted in order to believe her. And that, for me, is why... It worked so well because later on, as she's telling her story, um, you know, he's invisible and he's stalking me. No one believes her.
0: Right. It's such a it's such an incredibly strong picture of this that, that no one around you believes that such a wonderful relationship, such a great guy, would actually do something. So he's actually invisible. I mean, that's how you use horror. Mm-hmm.
1: And 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 that's 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 why it's so great because it's working as a metaphor for women simply not being believed when When they are uh, abused and assaulted, right. and it's just it it works on every level. It is an extremely entertaining thriller, but it works on a social commentary uh, extremely well.
0: Don't we have a lot of good the past year or two in terms of sort of the thriller horror genre with films like Get Out and Us and, and, and that have been just incredibly um good genre plays with some really big messages?
1: Well, this is this is something I kind of I, I say often and that is there almost isn't any element of art, whether it is uh literary or film or in anything that is not speaking to or about whatever the current times are, and for the most part that is what what great art does. It can be entertaining, but it's also a commentary and When politics and social issues are at a devastating brink, we usually get our most and our our best our best art (laughs) it's it's just a
0: parasite is an example of that it's become such a huge hit it's because it's both thrilling entertaining incredible pop culture but it also just hits exactly home at what we're feeling right now
1: yes and it's it's, it it, that doesn't mean that when things are going really well that we don't get good art but there is less to push back against uh so it's the 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 art of different
0: my follow-up has to be when have things ever gone really well
1: well yes yes
0: (laughs) no i'm just it was just funny if you could actually go yes well between those 10 years we were everyone everyone was doing great polanski was wonderful no i'm just kidding (laughs) well that's i mean that's that's
1: that's that's another sort of sub genre of this conversation too is the separating art from the artist right because we have always, always celebrated extremely troubled uh, artists because they create great work, and we forgive the things that they do because they're giving so much out as a result. And that is a concept that I think is seeing its dying days because the people that are always at the expense of a mad scientist or an abusive artist never benefit from, from it. Right. Uh, So I think we are seeing a turning point in the, I can separate the art from the artist uh, conversation right now.
0: Yeah. But it always, every time I have that conversation, it always ends up in that, then we have to talk about everyone. Everyone's been an asshole and this one, and then they go back to, you know, the 6,000 years of, our, I mean, you know, and then we, we have to do you really think and do we, are we going to be the moral, moral um, jury as to what should be done and not done? And, and, and that's sort sure. of where the conversation ends up instead of being a productive, let's talk about how we, you know, do something different with the industry now and what we've learned and how we're going forward and how we talk about it now, um, is, is just so frustrating.
1: <laughs> it, it is, except there are so many ways to be able to do that with forward momentum. Exactly. Uh, and that is just whether it's festivals or studios or the people with money. And that is opening those doors for female directors and people of color and LGBTQ filmmakers and subjects and all of that. And all of the things that have been constantly put aside in favor of men with issues, (laughs) (laughs) you don't even have to necessarily cancel anybody cancel culture. And the whole concept of it is specious as it is. Um, you don't even have to do that. All you have to do is pivot to the people and the subjects that speak to other things, right? And then, and then you, then you can move forward.
0: We have a. <laughs> episode with a lot of kind of difficult topics this 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 time around eric but uh i we we would be remiss if we didn't talk about corona and covid-19 virus and and how this is affecting the industry because um it's affecting the whole world but um very much so in the entertainment industry and you're sort of smack in the middle of reporting about awards and and all these things coming up what is your take
1: i mean i'm i'm genuinely Concerned, uh, obviously, you know, for the the virus as a whole and what it is, uh, but speaking specifically, to, because it's it's impacting industries all over the world, and travel and flight uh, and companies that do business abroad, it's ev- everything is impacted, and all of that, small and large, will impact communities that have tourism to large companies that pay their workers and where they can, where they can work. So th- it's, it's a huge, huge, huge impact where it's coming in about things that we talk about are going to be upcoming film festivals, which are a perfect example of lots of travel, lots of people from all different countries and areas converging into one space so like conventions are being cancelled and moved and something like the Cannes Film Festival which is in just over two months there isn't a bigger example of a convergence of multiple countries coming in and and people and I do think that it is legitimately in danger of i don't know being canceled but certainly postponed which mm-hmm. i can't even imagine what you know the what that would undertake you know because can film festival is just so massive and you know you you have to this is something that has to be planned out months and months and months in advance and with filmmakers with talent with studios it takes a tremendous amount of work and time and effort from from that standpoint not to mention the 4 plus 1000 members of the press that have already gotten their accreditation and begun their you know flights and and accommodations and what that means but the down, the downward effect is humongous it's absolutely huge. So I'm, I'm watching it every day, but I was not really feeling too great because there is a case in Can now.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: when there's one, there's going to be more. What's been scary about this is what feels like the lack of preparation and monitoring of the infection and you know people being let out before being tested and i mean all of these things that are happening you know we certainly have enough movies <laughs> to scare us into how how these things can spread into something else
0: i'm gonna gonna get to those just to get a few things that have already happened um the new bond movie halted all filming that they were doing or gonna do in in italy and venice um the china's box office i just read today we're talking on a monday because i'm sure things will will by, by the time you guys are listening to this, there may be more cases and even more things happening, but China's box office has already lost up to $214 million in the past two months because of the coronavirus um, and things that are halted there and people, you know, production. I, I was just hearing a journal. A journalist talking to a journalist who was wondering if many of the junkets that are going to be happening around Europe, everything from Bonn to Milan and things like that, if they will keep going and what that will mean for premieres, particularly in China. So so certainly, um, if, if which seems likely, the virus will get even worse, it's going to be a pretty uh, dicey situation for the entertainment industry as well.
1: Uh- Completely. The, the entertainment industry is going to be one of the biggest impacted because of how worldwide it is in terms of, you know, where you're shooting a movie, where you release a movie. It's, and and like we were just saying with, with the press can, you, you know, yeah, you have junkets all over the world. You have travel all over the world. And all of these things are, are going to be halted. That's, that's people out of jobs. That is a money-making machine grinding to a halt. And on top of being an election year in the United States, Mm -hmm, it's, mm -hmm. um, it could be really, really devastating.
0: Yeah. Well, but but uh, you were talking about. <laughs> like, there's no there's no way to bring this up except where where
1: do we go out from there?
0: Where do we go out from there? I don't even know. But I have to say, as, as we sort of ended the last conversation talking about a few good movies, because sometimes it's good to see a movie. I rewatched um, Contagion um, before this talk, the 2011 movie starring Gwyneth Paltrow, um, Steven Soderbergh, which. After the virus started spreading, um, the coronavirus, uh, uh, this movie went up again to one of the top 10 on iTunes. Mm-hmm. So everyone seems to be watching it. And just yeah. uh, before we talk about the seriousness of it, gosh, it's it's even better than I remembered. It's such a – I really just thought the pacing was incredible. And when Soderbergh does things like that, it was – what do you – did you – have you seen it lately?
1: You know, I, I did not re-watch it. Don't uh, maybe. We're, we're, <laughs> weirdly enough, I actually rewatched the 1995 movie Outbreak last night instead oh, good. because then... it's so junky and pulpy version of, That's of, the of Contagion. Hassen, yeah, yeah, it's a very bad movie, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny in in that sense. But no, Contagion is obviously a prescient and uh, extremely intelligent. Soderbergh is just a great damn filmmaker and Scott Burns is a great screenwriter. Mm -hmm. So you have this combination that is a pretty winning combination.
0: And of course it's, it's not exactly the same as what's happening. Of course. I mean, mean, it's, but, but it's interesting because the whole, there's a sort of genre of virus movies. You have the ones that become the zombies. Um, mm-hmm. You have sort of, a, you know, the 28 Days Later or World War Z. Um, you have the ones we're talking about in terms of outbreak and contagion. And you can go as far back, like even Bergman's The Seventh Seal, which is a sort of a, a plague movie as well. Um, and it's, it's always been a fascination for, you know, in pop culture. What are some of your favorites?
1: Uh, Well, I mean, all, all of those are uh, for sure. Oh, I am
0: legend. Yes. I have to mention 12
1: 12 monkeys. It's kind of a a weird and dangerous thing sometimes (laughs) when people look to movies as a source (laughs) of what should I do. And it does kind of feel like that sometimes, um, we love science fiction because it's giving us you know this this version of the world that you know might be uh you know thirty years ago we had we had an idea that that our reality in 2020 would be flying cars and and all of that like it is in right. science fiction and it's really not it's not even close to that in in any way uh because we chose to 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 use technological Advances in a very different way than what science fiction uh, writers and movie makers told us it was going to be, and with things like uh, the virus outbreaks and 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 the like, we we don't really have anything that is a version of reality. Contagion is probably the closest, mm-hmm. uh, but. At, at a at a superficial level, it's really kind of just about watching celebrities die. <laughs> yeah,
0: and there's and several really- in that movie. I know. It, are we allowed to spoil things from 2011? <laughs> I mean, I
1: think I really think we are because at least the you know the the, the Gwyneth Paltrow uh, image on the hospital table is a pretty commonly used picture meme at this point.
0: And she also herself just a couple days ago was out on Instagram in a huge face mask saying yes. she was in the movie. I mean she actually dies 4 minutes into the movie. <laughs> incredibly scary and 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 also um Kate Winslet doesn't mm-hmm. go well for her. I mean there's <laughs> a, it, it really that's sort of what and and that's when you're like, "Oh no, what are you doing, Soderbergh?" <laughs>
1: exactly. It's there there's there's also a weird I don't know how to even really describe this. It's not not a wish fulfillment, but there you don't get to see a lot of times in movies your 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 big name heroes and stars dying cuz they're always the hero and they they have to live to the end. And this is a movie where that is a very different situation and anyone and everyone is pretty much expendable. And and that's a very different version of movies than we're used to seeing and i think it's sort of it might work at a at a deeper level of thinking well if they can die i can die
0: (laughs) well she had to die she was unfaithful to matt damon
1: well you know (laughs) there are a lot of reasons but yes
0: no but but it's true it's very true And and then there's um an outbreak that seems more like a that's not very good. <laughs> it's it's
1: not. I mean, it's in it, it it's it's an action movie more than it is anything else, uh, and I don't know how how great of a action drama hero Dustin Hoffman is for this. Uh, I mean, originally it was supposed to be Harrison Ford, which makes a whole lot more that sense. That
0: would have been interesting, yeah.
1: I know, but it it does still one one of the fascinating things about outbreak or even contagion is pumping up the fear factor of these things because once once the, the the virus in outbreak gets to the United States, it mutates so quickly from not being airborne to being airborne that it escalates at an unbelievable r- rate. I mean, Mm -hmm. right now we've, we've been dealing with the coronavirus for a few months in, in the space and time of a movie like Outbreak, it's like 48 hours.
0: Right.
1: And, and so it's, it's, it's amping up the, and contagion
0: as well, everything goes very quickly.
1: Everything's very quickly. And, and it's, it is, it's, it's amping up that fear factor, which I think causes a lot of anxiety for, for people. But, you know, if you're looking at it purely from a, as a movie and really nothing else, that's that's good. That's what it, that's that's one of the great elements of it, right. of, a, of a thriller or an action thriller is being able to the stakes have to be high. They have to be extremely high. And in these two movies, as different as they are, the stakes are extremely, extremely high. So I, I'm wondering when people watch that and then they watch the news and go, well, we've it's been two months and I don't, you know, know anybody around my area and all, you know, it, is it real yet for a lot of people? I wonder. Mm.
0: And then you have another certain, like the, I am legend and in a sense 12 monkeys where you're sort of dealing with the aftermath and that big sort of question of what would I do if I would have been one of the survivors or if I would have been the last, you know, if I wouldn't, wasn't one of the ones that turned into a zombie or that, that, you know, the questions that come after something like this has happened to the world, to the globe, so to speak.
1: Yes. That's a, that's an entirely another genre, the post-apocalyptic uh, drama. And it used to be very um, worlds or uh, uh, nations fighting with each other and, and bombing each other into oblivion. And that's really kind of moved as you know, the Cold War ended and the threat of nuclear disaster became less of the existential issue. Uh, And then it became things like, like viruses. Uh, And obviously, now we have climate change as the existential crisis that we have, but viruses and, and the aftermath of that is the new apocalypse. And how do we how do we live after that, whether it's yeah something like i am legend or bird box or uh, in anything like that and what is what what do we do after that how do we how do we live we certainly won't be doing podcasts about film festivals that's for sure
0: no that's for sure it's, it was interesting i mean it's too early to say what movies will come out of um you know what's happening right now at the moment but you were mentioning climate crisis and things like that do you have any movies coming up that you see um that are dealing with these type of things
1: well and, and i think too a lot of these you know like like we've said if it's not a straightforward drama and it's a genre story it's it's working on a subtextual level. So you can look at any of these things as metaphors for something else.
0: It's interesting in television that there's a couple of very um, big uh, pricey t- TV series coming up, uh, both David Simon's new show based on um, mm-hmm. Philip Roth and uh, the show called Hunters with Boats deal with um, Nazis and anti-Semitism. Um, so there's a, a lot of that coming up, I think.
1: And I think those two are perfect examples of, of art that w- is happening as a result of the last three years of U S exactly. politics. It wouldn't, it wouldn't really be, I mean, yes, the, the Philip Roth was already uh, existed, but it's everything's a timing issue, isn't it?
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think that it that's, that's what to sort of end on an in, you know, what you and I have dedicated our life to is that (laughs) that's that's what makes pop culture so great and that's what's so interesting and analyzing is it is how it we actually are um looking at the wider world and and what's going on and politics and how we get to sort of you know deal with our emotions through these things um good (laughs) or bad but but something you need an outlet
1: yeah and absolutely and one of my one of my favorite things to do even you know with all of the oscar predicting stuff it's it's great fun to do the predictions but i'm i'm almost so much more interested in the after effects the postmortem and and the aftermath right because th- then we have everything behind us and we're allowed to look at it from that lens and start to to ask why and start to it's it's like reverse engineering. It's like okay, this this movie won Best Picture. Let's go backwards and watch and look at the path and how it got there and why it got there and what's going on in the world because you can you can kind of lead up to that and go, yes, I do think Parasite is going to win Best Picture because of this and this. And at that point, it's just you you don't know.
0: Just conjecture. Yeah.
1: Once you know, then you can really get into the nitty gritty of stuff. And that's, that for me is, is the most fun to do.
0: Yeah. I I totally agree to look back at why did Moonlight win? That year, why did suddenly Green Book win? Um, when we were thinking that things were go, you know, going in a different direction, and then all of a sudden this year we have, um, you know, Parasite. It it, it it really is interesting to look at it as a sign of the times and and and. In, in hindsight I completely agree but uh, this was so interesting and I implore you not to watch Outbreak when, um, <laughs> when, when things like this are happening Eric and I hope that maybe <laughs> next time we talk which I hope will be soon because it's so interesting um, that we'll have a little bit happier topics to talk about <laughs>
1: I I hope so, too. I hope there is there's some some positive movement. I mean, we're like I said, we're in an election year and we're it's in the United States. It's Super Tuesday tomorrow, which is a massive, massive primary for the Democratic Party. And things are already moving in a pretty clear direction. People are dropping out like crazy. So it's that the, the focus of that is going to be uh a huge part of conversation this year. It's going to be a part of all, I think, entertainment conversation that you and I have. I don't, I don't know how it couldn't be uh, because, you know, we're talking about Moonlight and Parasite and how do they win best picture? And, you know, they, they won partially as a result of what was happening politically. And so we're, we're going to see, Similar things happen throughout the year, and after November in the United States,
0: it's going to be an interesting year. I'll be voting here in the global primary on Friday.
1: I, th- I was going to say, I think one of the one of the really funny iron, not, like maybe funny or not funny iron, is ironies of of everything that's happening right now is that. The amount of work that people like you and I do at home almost quarantines us from so much of this.
0: <laughs> yeah, not to make light of it, but I actually saw yes. someone on Twitter at, at, at write something like, "For the first time in history, we freelancers are going to survive." <laughs> and, we, and we, we are
1: the we are the new cockroaches,
0: <laughs> and we will be the money makers because we know how to send our stuff from home.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness! So yes,
0: so. We you and I can talk and talk and talk and we'll give them something to listen to. Right.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Eric, thank you so much for this. And and again, we'll be collaborating and, and you guys absolutely have to go, especially l- read the latest articles. So mention the one again, you were talking about, what was her name?
1: Sarah Williams. And the article is called what happened at the Cesar awards was a setup for silence. Exactly. And it was, yeah, I mean, it neon and, uh, Director Alma Harrell signal boosted it quite a bit. And so it's it's gotten a lot of attention. And it's just a really passionate, great piece uh, in helping understand what happened and the after a math, aftermath of it.
0: So that's on awardswatch.com. Thank you so much. Until next Thank time. Thank you. Stay safe. Thanks again to Eric Anderson. We will be bringing you more conversations and other collaborations going forward. I'm really looking forward to that. You will find Eric's coverage and interviews on awardswatch.com and on Twitter at awards underscore watch. You can subscribe to Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts and please leave us a rating and a review. And you can follow me on Twitter at podpopculture or at Christina Biru. This show was edited by Julia Scott, and I'm Christina Yerling Biro. See you next time.